Hey, candy cane. People get cut. It's life. Film's a collaborative medium. I'll send you a cup and pay back some bitch. I don't feel a thing. Clear. We are the weirdos. I am a god. Merry Otsmus! Merry Otsmus, Sam! Happy Otsmus to you. Uh, I'm so excited to be celebrating Christmas Ots. We are back. We didn't even go away. We didn't even, no, we didn't even go away. We didn't have to. We were like, hey guys, remember season two? Mm-hmm. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Like- Today? Season three, we're on to Christmas. As you as you said uh, at the very start of this podcast, um, you know, as we as we look back, you know, at the movies of fifteen minutes ago. Well, here we are, uh, fifteen minutes away from season two. We're bringing you uh, season three, a mini season that very is mini. very mini that is entirely devoted to Christmas. The Christmas in the 2000s. You may have guessed. You you were sitting there. You heard this new intro, and you were like, "Oh my god, this is like the Christmas version of the Macarena." Because <laughs> just like two things have changed, but now it's which Christmas. if you didn't know before, Sam introduced you to uh, last year. I like actually like crazy that um, it was a year ago that we were doing this because we had the overlap. We did Silent Night. Oh, we right. we did um we did Black Xmas Silent Night Deadly Night we did Black Xmas so we were recording Christmas horror episodes at this time last year I-, I can't believe it's been a full calendar year friend we have been able to do so much in such a little amount of time and I'm so proud of us I love this <laughs> show yes and I'm <laughs> I'm glad too that uh I, the final episodes of the I know what you did last summer recaps will also find their way into episode into season three Fantastic. Uh, build As it out should. a little bit and just keep give keep giving people the content that they need at the holidays yeah I know all three of you who watch that show are eager to to find out the rest if if, it, say- if if that show gets a second season I'm finding a way to petition like I'm gonna find a publicist and be like you need an official um after after show pod and yeah we, it's us. and it's us yeah. yeah i i will say friends i am so excited that you're joining us for this because i have somehow talked jordan into being okay with doing a mini season that is just christmas not even horror we're just jumping no, into just christmas. actual straight up aughts christmas and i want to say it's so important to me because so much of how we like we live in a christmas era a christmas <laughs> movie era that is is that could not have happened if it weren't for the odds and what happened during those 10 years. I and wonder what if, we exist in now is, is just a direct result. I wonder if, I mean, because obviously Christmas movies have been around forever. Things like Lifetime and Hallmark have been around for a very long time. Is there, are we at a point where just given the content demands of streaming, are are there more Christmas, more new christmas movies yes than ever no it i mean yeah yeah it, exponentially more and and the, every in the last year three there years, are so a, many now like if you look at it as like a like a cur- like a graph right the last what what happened during the aughts was that's when we got our made for tv boom mm. like of course there have been christmas movies you know for quite some time and if we listen if you all go back and listen to a bonus episode I did mapping why Christina Milian is important to Christmas. Right. You will actually hear uh, the evolution of the made-for-TV movie and kind <laughs> of like where we're at now, but specifically through the lens of the aughts. But mm. what happened in the aughts is ABC Family 
uh, ended up the family channel, which had been making original Christmas content, became ABC Family, and ABC Family started churning them out with like stars like Melissa Joan Hart, um, right. Ashley Benson, and what we were getting was like the midway Christmas movie. You know, while meanwhile in theaters, we're getting Love Actually, we're getting The Holiday, we're getting Just mm-hmm. Friends, we're getting all of these titles uh, for Christmases, and it, it goes on and on. I would actually say that we barely get those kinds of headlining Christmas titles now, but what we do get are those, quote, made for TV. I mean, at this point, it's made for streaming titles yeah. at a rate that is so much more than even, than, than they took what ABC Family did. And they like multiplied it by 10 and put it on every platform. Yes. And it it's almost like it's almost like the Vegas residency of made for TV movies. Like when you become a Christmas movie star. Yeah. You 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 can stay a Christmas movie star like you You, can become as we are seeing with Vanessa Hudgens. If we as we've seen with Christina Milian. This is what's really interesting about, like, the modern era, though, is, like, where Vanessa Hudgens can still be a huge star, and then she did these three movies, and she's carrying them. Mm-hmm. In the aughts, you know, like, Lacey Chabert doing three yeah. movies, and then Christian Mingle, people are like, well, all of her stuff was, like, made for Lifetime or Hallmark. And it's, like, now it, it, it's different. Like, Christina Milian, like, she stopped making music, and she turned to, like, she did Bring It On 4. Yeah. Um, And then she did, and she did those... Made for TV. Like, she did basically, like, straight... She was a straight-to-DVD queen. And yeah. And we love her for it. But it's... Now, something's changing. We're I like, think... I really think... Like, obviously, there's there's the, the streaming maw that needs to be filled constantly. But I think social media really helps with these things. I yeah. think social media actually creates a landscape where there can be a kind of chatter around and enjoyment of and like celebration of the frivolity of something like the princess switch series that makes it so present and so ingrained in sort of the cultural moment that it it takes it out of being like a quote-unquote like just a made-for-tv movie kind of reception or just a christmas movie and it becomes these sort of pop culture events because you can do this celebration of having more and more and more Vanessa Hudgenses yes. in each you successive know, movie, which is an extremely like online thing to celebrate. I know this is helping me pinpoint exactly it. Like when I was talking about ABC Family, I was participating in Lifetime and Hallmark Erasure just because that is what was happening, right? But, yeah. But but the reason why is because of course Lifetime and Hallmark were making movies, but what people talked about were the like we had much more of a we talk about this all the time we had a monoculture yeah and so what was available to dvd rentals Mm -hmm. well that was limited to what abc family put out to dvd because they did put holiday and handcuffs out they did put snow globe out those things would end up in a red box um a lot more frequency frequently than others now like the christmas shoes Mm -hmm. films like those did go to dvd (laughs) those were i think hallmark um but like you know there there are exceptions but i would say that like it was that dvd boom that actually got people like we could talk about things with the same reference although maybe not christmas shoes there are there are few phrases i like more that are just entertaining to me than christmas shoes and specifically for some reason the way you say christmas shoes i I look forward to it like i'm disgusted by them every time it comes up every time it comes up this song 
I hate this song so <laughs> <Yeah>. much <laughs> that to find out they took a song that could, that was a concept that was a sentence, yeah. a, a one sentence concept that they turned into a song that was too long, that they turned into three movies. Th- th- I'm sorry, three movies. Standing right in front of me was a little boy waiting anxiously, pacing round like little boys do, and in his hands he held a pair of shoes. What is really cool about right now, I think this is like a little bit of a golden age of Christmas movies. It kind of, I, say I, this. Being not a scholar of Christmas movies, and I will ask Alonzo Duralde about this on Twitter, who's literally written books on Christmas movies. Oh my I'm God. going to, I'm going to just, I just want to see, hey, Alonzo, are we in a golden age of Christmas movies? Because as an outsider to that, I am, like, I get, I hit the mainstream stuff, but I'm not like, I'm not out there with like the Christmas prints. Like I haven't, I know those things, but like I even know of more Christmas movie titles happening seemingly constantly each year now than I ever have been in my life. Like my awareness of new Christmas movies is such that I feel like I'm kind of one of those control group people where if it gets to me, that means it is expanding outside the primary fan base of the lifetime Hallmark Christmas movie ecosystem. Yeah. And they take, look, the the thing that makes this so special right now is that this thing that has been low budget for so long. Yeah. Now it's like they're written like a low budget movie, yeah. but then they get blank checks like Princess Switch to <laughs> yeah. fill a castle with Christmas trees. You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> that is really different than what we look at even 10 years ago, five years ago. Where, you know, yes, these things exist. Yes, they're being, these are factory made. But suddenly, they're being given money. Well, and, and, which brings me to Just Friends. Yeah, I was going to say. And that's because, the, an interesting contrast to that is our chosen movie for today that we're kicking off Otsmus with, which is Just Friends. Which is a studio romantic comedy Christmas movie. Oh my God! Ten years later, touring with the world's hottest pop star. God, I want to lick your skin off. We'll take him home for the holidays. Hi, Mom. In the heyday of Ryan Reynolds making rom-coms, of Ryan Reynolds on the cover of a DVD box with a woman, with them standing back to back, both of them looking mischievous. Like, it is, this is the meat and potatoes of his career at the time and this is like this this was in theaters this was this is wide reaching and that that definitely feels like a more of an artifact of an earlier time we don't necessarily see christmas movies let alone like high profile rom-coms we're we're not in a time of booming high profile rom-coms uh, so it's a real intersection of those two things being part of the big business. And the comedy is broad. It yes. is. It's it, it, the kind of thing where the comedy is accessible to so many people. And and the budget reflects how serious the studio took the film. 
right? This yeah. wasn't something that they were like, you know, a lot of times with these with these uh, Netflix Lifetime Hallmark movies that we have right now, you know, it's like, here are 18 shoot days and a million dollars. Let us know what you can get at Walmart yeah. to decorate the house with. And that, and I know this for sure because I have friends who work on these things and they do a great job. And they do a great but, job. They do a great job with their But something their like confines. Just Friends, this is a movie that, that it was expensive. This is a studio movie. <laughs> This is a studio movie. And that is why I kind of wanted to go back to the odds and look at what was happening then and say, in terms of Christmas movies, because it is really unique to this time. So I, this is, you picked all the movies for Oddsmas, and this is absolutely one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. It is one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. I think it is yes. either the best or like top three best things Ryan Reynolds has ever done. I love Just Friends. This is a I love this movie. My mom fucking loves Just Friends. We absolutely this- watch this movie every year. A Cruciola special, if you a will. A Cruciola. You have brought you have you have come forth with a Cruciola special. It turns out. So Just Friends, if, you, if you're if you not familiar with it, it's Ryan Reynolds, it's uh, got Anna Faris, it's got Amy Smart. Amy Smart, who is an aughts actress to the end. Yes, I mean, and, and, and the most, one of my favorite girl next door dream girl um, representatives of all time. I, 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 I am so smitten with Amy Smart. She is, in this film, I think at her best. Ever. Yeah, I think this is a, a I perfect love her application it. of Amy Smart. And I think that something that's happening with Christmas films in the aughts that really wasn't happening much before. We, we did get it in um, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. Um, but with with the, there, it's rare. But during the aughts, it happened a lot more that we were getting adult Christmas movies. Like yeah. the, Just Friends, while it is accessible the, like, to everybody. At, you look at Christmas Vacation, that's a Chevy Chase movie. Chevy Chase is a comedy legend. Like right. that is you you and it's it's a National Lampoon's movie. It's an institution. And it's just still something Friends that's going to air on TV. It Just Friends is a, about sex. Yeah, and it's it's an and it's original. It's an original with like solid mid-market stars. And the studio being like we're going to sell it this way, not like we're going to give you beloved icon Chevy Chase and build a movie around him. Right. This is like 2003, Love Actually Happens, it's an R-rated film. Yep. And it's successful. People yeah. could not like wrap their heads around the fact that a Christmas movie could be rated R. Right. So Just Friends, the humor is aimed at being more aughts-era raunchy. Total pussy. You're the biggest pussy on planet Earth. It's you. You know, and, and, and they're like, okay, let's do that, but rom-com. <laughs> and I mean, not that this is anything like Love Actually, because it's fucking not. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is much more closer to like something like Christmas Vacation. But what's really cool about Just Friends, personally, is that when I watch this film, it does such a good job of making Ryan Reynolds's character, um, who goes back to his hometown, it, it makes that those memories feel 
and sound like Christmas, mm-hmm. a Christmas I've never had, and yet they feel like my memories. I'm nostalgic for his Christmas. Right. And and the the Ryan Reynolds, he plays in the he is, you know, when we meet him, he uh in the in the 2005 in our in our current time, he's a haughty like music representative. He like seems mm-hmm. like a like an A&R guy and He's been living in L.A. Born doing, to play this role. Born to play this role. Doing, Ryan Re- born to doing play the, this. Doing the L.A. thing now for years and years. He hasn't been home to New Jersey in 10 years. And it seems like basically the last day. Basically, they frame it as the last day he was ever there was high school graduation night in 1995. Class of 95. And he was trying to profess the, his forever love to his best friend Jamie Palomino and uh in a heartfelt yearbook message it was taken from his possession read to a room of people by an asshole jock and he was laughed out of the house when we're together I feel like we're not in high school but we're in our own kissing Jamie little world you're my best friend please don't hate that but I want to be more than that and was you know said like you're you'll see like I'm gonna be better than all you one day, and then on a very kooky trip to take a someone from the record label take the talent to Paris, played by Anna Ferris, Samantha James, plane goes down in New Jersey. Chris Brander returns home, and he is confronted once again with Jamie Palomino. Jamie Palomino. Jamie Palomino. And the song, I Swear. Oh my has God. Never been used in a in such an appropriate way. Like this, that song is now cemented. Like I they may have played it at middle school dances for me. Oh, sure. Yeah. But many. now th- that is a Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> Which is especially it, impressive because when we first hear it, it's not even Christmas. It's summertime. It is graduation night, and yet totally. But this no, movie it's does a such song. a good job of incorporating it. Yeah, it becomes a Christmas song. It immediately opens with completely accurate relationship dynamics. In the aughts, like we were fat, we were culturally fascinated with pickup artistry, books like The Game, and yes. all of that stuff. Um, uh, there were it was just a thing, like where the language was was in the vernacular like negging was yeah like we know what that is but negging like that was like negging that was, was like, like very romantic yeah it, it, it was all like very acceptable and so but this movie opens with a guy who like definitely subscribes to all that stuff yes and so it is very what's cool about it is it is of its time yes i mean 2005 landing smack in the middle of this stuff he is erupting from this culture onto the screen onto the screen what about sheila you making any headway well we'll see i'm taking her to lunch today oh whoa 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 don't don't do that okay don't do lunch why that's like the express lane to the friend zone what the hell's the friend zone see when a girl decides that you're her friend you're no longer a dating option you become a complete non-sexual entity in her eyes like her brother or a lamp i don't want to be a lamp yeah well then don't be her friend what I think is what I think this movie pulls off really well is that you know the the guy comes around and and what I think it does really well is giving you the kind of dickhead who becomes like the guy with the heart of gold but actually the whole time he is a nice guy masquerading as a dickhead 
because he is so traumatized by being friend zoned, you know, as we as we so often used to say by by Jamie that he's like, I'm never going to be that guy again. I'm never going to be like the total pussy that gets walked on. Never go on a day date. Be aloof. Keep them hanging. They'll come chasing you down. And he's like, you know, he's shredded. He's hot Ryan Reynolds. He's athletic now. And, and so I what this movie does really well, I think, is never make his shittiness charming. You always yeah. recognize that when he's being a dick, he's a dick. It's not like because like you have the Even movie when... Finch where the like the pickup artist guy, you know, comes around and realizes that he's truly in love with even um even Mendez, I think that is. But like you're so you're supposed to find his swaggering charm like enticing, even though you know he's kind of a heel. Chris Brander as dirtbag Chris is always just like kind of a butthead and you're charmed by Ryan Reynolds but you're never like you know I like this guy I hope he stays this way you're always like what a tool he's extremely charismatic I mean and in the beginning when he's giving relationship advice like the thing that sticks out to me that like that also feels low-key true is like don't have a lunch date have a nighttime date like he goes he's giving his friend advice about like his situation while he's flirting with some guy's girlfriend at the ice skating rink all at the same time. And what we see exactly who he is. And it's not exactly aspirational, but it's also not exactly wrong. No. And I think this gets to the, what, what is so interesting to me about just friends. Like even as a concept, right? We've moved past calling things. Like we look at being quote friend zoned Mm -hmm. differently in 2021. Yes. Than in the aughts when that was a popular phrase. Yeah. Now this it's movie like, also, oh, she just doesn't. Actually, she's just not interested. And you plying her and coercing her and semi-stalking her into liking you doesn't mean you're getting out of the friend zone. Right. It means you're, like, trying to take advantage of or manipulate this person. But back yeah. then, friend zone was back a then, hugely oh, yeah, popular she did term. It. She friend zoned you. And it's like, yeah. um, or maybe you're just a dude who's hanging around somebody who already told you no. Yeah. There are so many people out there. Move on. You know, I mean, like, that is, it's just a, it's a completely different way to look at it. And what has aged well about this movie is. Yeah. This movie actually has aged. Knows it. It's, you know, there, it's the 2000s. So there has to be um, tacked on useless, uh, like, racist throwaway jokes. Yeah. Like, Uh, about, like, the Asian guy in town being the dry cleaner or something. There there has to be immediate homophobia. He has to say something shitty and homophobic to his brother. And, and by the way, also not wrong about, like, straight brother relationships. I've seen that live. Like, in real life. I've seen that live. And and also, not... Not, not, it is very, uh, it is very of its time in that regard. And it has the, and oh, and also the like low key insistence throughout the movie that Amy Smart is somehow an average girl. Right. A- somehow, is somehow. That's very um, odd. Fat. I'm sorry I'm not the most boring person ever. Okay. I'm sorry I'm not poor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't have a fat and I will also add, you know, Chris Chris Brander in his fat suit in the beginning. Yeah. Obviously inviting things that today we would say, oh, this is body shaming. This is fat phobic. Right? Yeah. And uh, so now that we've cleared the air, all of those things, by the way, first five minutes. Yeah. If you, if you can get through the first five minutes, it has presented all of the cringe things. The things that will make you go, mm, in 2021. Yeah. And it, but it, you know, we're, we're so in this in this time period 
being an asshole is so fetishized yes that it the character of chris brander is somebody i feel like who you would either see in as in a supporting role who who is obviously a piece of shit like mickey the boyfriend in sorority row is very right. chris brander kind of yeah but it it never this movie i feel like this movie never believes that that chris is redeemable and this movie doesn't actually think that Amy Smart is chubby. This yes. this movie doesn't actually think that the shitty things about the 2000s that were so zeitgeisty at the time are desirable things and indeed works to shed those things from their characters as they grow and become better throughout the movie. And it's a really surprising thing to see in a movie that kind of misleads you at the front with its superficialness. Yes. It, it's Heart of Gold is actually much more substantial. Yes. I think that it tips you off for how it's going to turn out the Couldn't entire more. time. And one last thing that I think title-wise just kind of sends this into like obscurity is that mm. it's called just friends yeah you don't know looking at it like is this a christmas movie it's not like christmas <laughs> no. friends no you know what i mean like <laughs> you know christmas friends. shoes like sir i want to buy these friends yeah. no, it's like you know this is like this is just friends and if you were looking at a at a, at a movie store which you would at yeah. the time you could see that on the shelf all year round, which of course is by design, just like Love Actually is not called Christmas Actually. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, these Christmas are Christmas Actually are... and Christmas Friends are those have to have been used <laughs> at this point because those are absolutely Christmas movie titles. Absolutely, yeah. No, and and I wrote them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you know, this is it's it, it. Unfortunately, I think it made it harder to know in that moment. Like, of course, you see the trailer, yes, but like you're not looking at a marquee going. Oh, I want to see a Christmas movie. And then you look at everything in the showtimes and it's like, oh, I'm going to go see Just Friends. Yeah. It's just not immediately clicking. And I think that was to the, I don't think that was to the benefit of the film. I do think this is a, the heart of gold that you're talking about yeah. is what just makes this the ultimate Christmas film. It is Christmas on Christmas. It's Christmas and on Christmas. The nice thing that makes it accessible, like it's Christmas on Christmas that I could watch with a friend who is not queer. Uh, and, like, and I can't and you watch... Can watch with a friend who doesn't like Christmas. Yeah, like, I have plenty yes. of friends who are like, Christmas is so fucking annoying. I Christmas is oppressive. I don't want to participate in this. Like, I have friends who feel the same about Halloween. I feel like Christmas, Just Friends, is a Christmas movie for the agnostics out there. Just Just Friends is like, do you hate Christmas? Pull up a seat. Yeah. So does Chris Brander. Yeah. This is a movie that invites you to hate on the things that should be hated on about Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And there's, it's also like. Including that small town dad who has way, yes. puts way too much stock in like demonstrating his dick sides with his Christmas display every year in his yard. Jamie's dad, Mr. Yes. Palomino. <laughs> this guy, every Valentine's Day, he buy Jamie like a dozen roses. He used to drive all her boyfriends nuts. <laughs> Till we explain, of course, it was just her little friend, Chris. Yeah, I remember that. You Rick. <laughs> oh, my God. And and what I was, in terms of seeing this with other people, like, something like Princess Switch 2, Fiona, and understanding how incredible it is to go to Princess Switch 3 and have three Fionas. Yes. That is a very niche <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of thing like like that is like that's not something i'm gonna pull up every friend to watch with no um, i mean maybe most of my friends because that's yes. how i select them yes but in general that's not something i'd expect this is literally something you could run for anyone i will say 
part of that is like the character of Samantha James, Samantha played James. by Anna Faris. Anna Faris, underrated comedic gem of our generation. Samantha James is introduced as like kind of like Ashley Simpson with Jessica Simpson's um, TV persona. So she's supposed to be like uh-huh, uh-huh. ditzy and kind of whatever. But she, her look is very Ashley Simpson. So really, she's like the one Simpson. She's the whole Simpson. And and she and like in the way that they this movie is is very aware of its time and it's very good at playing with it. And there's that great like she's a catastrophe in the recording studio when we first meet her. Like basically they want to sign her to a record contract because yes. of how many sexy posters she sells. And the then posters which look cutaway. just like the Jessica Simpson poster, by the way. Yes. The, the like the whipped cream on the boobs um, a little bit reminiscent of paris and her burger uh campaign which i think was actually 2005 as well and and then there's and then we see her in a cutaway at one point where she's doing a like starving people in africa promotion and mm-hmm. talking about charity in a completely like racist colonizer kind of way and it's like Yes, this is exactly what it was like to be a starlet in the 2000s. Yes. This was exactly a prefabricated starlet of the aughts. Yes. And so when she pours out of that studio, basically singing a little bit of Lexus, but 2005. <laughs> afar, afar. Yeah. Like, I I mean, guys. Where are you? <laughs> like, this is material for drag queens. <laughs> It is, and I, this movie, this movie is, is so strong to me because its supporting cast is lights out. Anna Faris' Samantha James could be the low light of this movie, but Anna yes. Faris plays it so perfectly. You get just enough of over the top every moment she's on screen. She's incredible. Jamie Palomino, a perfect, like, tabula rasa girl yes. next door, but also with piss and vinegar in her and in a way that she stands out and the best friends the hometown best friends Clark and Darla some of my favorite hometown best friend characters ever like character goes back to their small town reconnects with like reconnects with old relationships Clark and Darla Clark and Darla make me want to they make me want to befriend straight people they are you want to know Clark and Darla and Samantha James wants to fuck Darla which yeah. is an incredible Queer. part of this movie. And consistent. It's not some throwaway that she like definitely ad-libbed. Like, it comes back. It comes back. So- it's a runner that Samantha James is bisexual and into Darla. It's cool. You can have other girls. I like girls. Darla. And I think that Samantha James as a character is something that, like, like you're talking, you're talking about this cast being perfect, and this is a great example. Like it, in in 2005, we're looking at like that's when the Simple Life got canceled after three seasons, and like that's the that's like the the falling apart of Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, right? So like Paris is looking for work, but this is she's she's just on the eve of releasing her 2006 record, mm-hmm. right? And so that's when we when we get Paris Hilton and House of Wax. But just imagine a world where because this is the kind of casting that happened all the time then. Yeah. Samantha James was cast as Paris Hilton as yeah. a stunt casting thing. It could have totally happened, and in all honesty, I think it would have tanked the movie. They were smart and had somebody with comedic chops, yeah. somebody who actually knew how to give us a character that we can now never separate from Anna Faris. Because Anna Faris is a comedy lead. Yes. Anna Faris carried 
like I have many gripes with scary movie. Anna Ferris is not one of them. Anna Ferris Correct. carried the house bunny. Like Anna Ferris is a lead comedic actress playing a supporting comedic role in this movie and steals the every scene that she's in. You have Julie yes. Haggerty. Comedy and- comedy I one of to me the great comedic actresses of all time. Go watch Airplane 1 and 2 right now and remember how funny Julie Haggerty has been forever oh my god that mom. is what she was from yeah she yes she's she's the holy she's the girlfriend. shit oh she's my the girlfriend god the airplane movies and is absolutely fucking perfect hysterical. casting perfect and casting. she plays the like pain pilled out mom yes in just friends yes be yourself be yourself be yourself be yourself now come on mikey and i delightfully weird delightfully insane chris klein as the like dorky weirdo in high school who got hot and has the strangest zany character arc in this as a surprise villain dusty dinkleman dusty dinkleman this is every every side channel that is introduced is welcome because every cast member is playing it perfectly well, and Chris Klein at the time is a list is an a lister, right? Yeah, and like, he's a big and, deal. And I think to to think about it in terms, though, I think he's the surprising cast choice that actually yes. came through. Like these other people are like comedians cast as comedians, amazing. Chris Klein is like cast as like just the good looking lover boy kind of thing in these rom coms. He well, is yeah not he's not strong comedy even in like American Dreams, Dreams with a Z, which I yeah. think was also was that two thousand five as well. Oh God, like. I- it's, remember, it's good, but but, but what he bad. does as Dusty Dinkleman, holy shit. It, it's like, oh, actually, Chris Klein, uh, an actual comedian. Well, it and it, it, it makes clear that Chris Klein, Chris Klein is very aware that he was always cast as the earnest cutie. Like, he's the, even in, even in Election, one of the most, like, acerbic movies right. of the Millennium Era, he plays the, ho- the hot massively himbo like quarterback homecoming king who runs to be class president there's always that air of being slightly a simpleton about chris klein and that like kind of dreamy eyed face and that is he's he's overplaying that effectively in american dreams because everybody's overplaying everything in american dreams and this is him taking a role where he knows exactly that he's been cast as that over it's and a, over again. And now he's playing comedies. like the he's playing the heel turn version of that. He's playing you know what a great thing is about Chris Klein's character in this Dusty Dinkleman? Dusty Dinkleman is the actual core of that like dorky good guy friend that we see toxic dorky good guy friend that is so pervasive. He would have been Derek. In the My Super Psycho Sweet 16 movies. That's yes. who Dusty Dinkleman is. Like, you see the true personality emerge when he's hot enough to leverage it over women. And he's right. actually just a chip-on-his-shoulder misogynist bastard. And I love the exposing of that character type through Dusty Dinkleman. Oh, come on, man. Cut the nice guy routine. I know what you're up to, and I am all for it. I mean, it is going to be sweet revenge on Jamie Palomino for keeping us in the friend zone all those years. Oh, yeah, you wish you were in the friend zone. I was in the friend zone. Yeah, I, with Dusty specifically, I do I do want to mention Chris Klein's timeline, because I think it's <laughs> yeah, interesting to look should. at, like, 
what you brought up election, which is 1999. So is American Pie. Those are both mm-hmm. 1999. Um, and what we get are Chris Kleins that are in comedies, but he's like kind of a a together. He's the straight man, not the he's straight man completely, but he man. is that in mm-hmm. these in the context of these films. So sure, he's the comedy kind of happens around Chris Klein, mm-hmm. but I think that the hints that he's really a great he's great with comedy and timing are there like in election the best joke in election is actually not in the movie but it's only in the trailer and it's when chris klein klein is praying to god and thanks him for having an enormous penis yes that's not actually in the movie but we ran that trailer that trailer put people in seats (laughs) right and it's like but that's not the chris klein we necessarily got when we showed up but that's the chris klein we wanted so that's in 1999, and we're flash-forwarding like 2000. Then it's like, okay, well, he's in that movie with Lily Sobieski, uh, Here on Earth. Then it's like, okay, <laughs> we're gonna try, we're gonna try for Chris Klein, leading man, rom-com, but teen rom-com era, or 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 so actually drama, uh, like yeah. drama, romantic drama era. And it's like, mm, there is nothing to that one. <laughs> yeah. Could get arrested for that. There be handcuffs. Do you want handcuffs? Depends on who's putting them on. She opened her heart. Let's see what you got. You know, I mean, that that is like, so I think at this point it's easy to, it, it is easy to overlook him. So when when he's cast in Just Friends and he knocks it out of the park, he is oh, a yeah. part of this film that like, I think it almost feels like a throwaway when you first meet him and he's just like a zit covered teenager trying to like get Amy Smart's attention or yes. Jimmy Palomino's attention. And it's like, oh, he's another Chris Brander, but like another dork. And then yeah. when we meet him later in the film, he's super hot. And he is that kind of dick pickup artist. He yes. is exactly like he's Chris Brander, but worse. We come to find out. <laughs> yes. Except he's mu- he's better at it than Chris. He's malignant Chris Brander, and he's, he's better at it because it's authentic to him. And yes. Chris Brander's putting on a show, but Dusty Dinkelman's true self is actually a dick bag. Dusty Dinkelman to me is Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Buffy, he, he is. That's he's, the he's, best He's Derek crossover. by Super Psycho. He's Xander from Buffy. He is that archetype. Yes, Derek. You're right. You're right. And those are all the same. Yes. <laughs> like if A equals B equals C. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I mean, he is, he is, he is straight from the Whedonverse, except luckily Just Friends, again, it knows it. It's in on the joke. Yeah, think- it understands that. And it... This movie does, I'm so, like, I so appreciate, like, more and more as I, as I get older, it just resonates. The, like, this writer and this, this filmmaking team really ascertained, like, the authenticity of this experience. Like, when we, when we get our flashback into the 90s and we see Jamie and Chris, like, that kind of, like, pining for the best friend from like the one who's just not going to get the girl and also that sort of a hot girl obliviousness you know we've all we've all had that girlfriend or been that girlfriend who just like was unaware of their power over another person and just sort of paraded themselves around in front of the unrequited you know love of another person and they didn't mean anything by it but they're they're the inexplicable hot girl they're the popular girl they're the center of attention person and to them this individual is just their safe space and they kind of have no idea that they're playing when they're to their emotions constantly and her the obliviousness of jamie in the 90s but like just her earnest care for chris that dynamic in exchange feels so sincere the the authenticity of the shithead quarterback guy the yeah. authenticity of Clark and Darla as those small town friends. The authenticity 
of the small town around Chris as he's like trying to navigate his way through a place where he has come back after 10 years and he himself is an to himself he's an entirely different person but this town only remembers him for who he was and like forces him to exist in amber here we go one grilled cheese with ranch on the side and one sugar mountain supreme for the chubby bunny Excuse me, um, this, this, this isn't gonna work for me. But this is what you always order. Yeah. All of those things are very real sensations that this movie captures with, like, the perfect amount of comedy, but the perfect amount of truth. So a great po- a p- place to point out all of that coming together is the is the hometown bar that Chris Brander... The Maple! The Joe, Maple! The Maple. When he finally sees Jamie Palomino for the first time, she is a bartender at... She's still in this town. Yep. She's she's living at home. She, du- she is not who she wishes she was. Yeah. So she ducks behind the bar, which yeah. I love. Because in a lot of these movies, the hot girl wouldn't do that. She wouldn't be aware yeah. or something like that. But this is somebody who's a little bit insecure that maybe she... Maybe she did peak in high school. Yes. You know, whatever that means. Yes, whatever that means in an insult that Chris just wings at her when he is at the depths of his pain. That you are the girl who peaked in high school. And in this moment, she's insecure that she might be. Because Chris comes back and he's like a hotshot LA guy. He's got Samantha James. They are pitching insane levels of energy at each other. I love (laughs) it. Like, she yells at him. He yells louder over this bar. Chris! Chris! I'll pick you up at noon. I'm busy! I'm busy, stupid dick! That sounds awesome. I'll see you then. Bye. It is, and to the point where it's like embarrassing for him, and what you see is Jamie Palomino still has power over him in a way that like completely throws him. And as the course of the movie continues, what we see is Chris retreating back to who he was when he Mm -hmm. was in high school. And why that feels applicable to literally everybody, whether you've been in this situation or not, when you go home for the holidays, yes, over time, you become the person you were when you lived there. Yeah. It just happens. It's what happens when you're around family. Yep. Even if a home is a different home and you're just with your family at Christmas, yeah. the, the dynamics start to change. You start to almost forget who you are because <laughs> yeah. of the, and everybody just has this like collective retreat. Mm-hmm. And so watching him do this in the most subtle ways that happen to everybody. Yeah. That's what makes it so relatable. I don't want to be myself. My snow globe collection. And it and it, it the way that the way Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart do such a wonderful job at affecting that bodily sense memory that kicks in with a person who you have these intense long-standing feelings for and and they mean something so big and so specific to you the way they both react to each other throughout this movie does feel so true to that and it's like they're both doing their best but they're both doing dumb shit but they don't know how to call the other person out in a productive way for the ways in which they're not meeting the moment, but you can see that they want to, like that feeling of trying to establish something new while being 
overly reverent to or beholden to the past like it does like it is doing broad comedy the entire time really successfully and really humorously while also getting that dynamic so right and it's what makes this such an enduring rom-com and that Jamie is never just the vision that Chris had of her like that this movie does not ask us to see Jamie as Chris sees her and instead presents her as Jamie trying to understand why Chris is being a dick, but him not being so one-dimensionally a dick that he's just broad comedy played for laughs. Like, I'm very impressed that this movie does not make her, you know, that kind of, not Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but in the way that women are reduced to Manic Pixie Dream Girl or insert Dream Girl archetype here. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with how deftly this movie lets them both be people and not be totally right. And you could, you're seesawing back and forth, empathizing with how each of them feels let down by the other one and also so compelled by the other one the entire time. It's just, I'm shocked at how capable this movie is. The writing is so good. And so, and, and something to point to specifically, you were talking about how, what it balances, how it goes yeah. from you know, broad comedy to accurate relationship dynamics. Here, This is a movie that can have the dad give a joke about Jared from Subway, which, by the way, was offensive at the time, but now actually yeah. reads as true. It's like, whoop, that was, that was yeah. psychic. Um, a little bit psychic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like to say. yeah, we should have been dragging uh, Jared from Subway. Yeah, drag him. You know, and it's like, but then later in the same film, what you see is ultimately every scene is ruined in a way that escalates more than it than you thought it would. It's ruined. Like everything gets ruined in this movie. It's once every scene is just it's the Christmas lights coming down. It's the fun at the bar. It's it's going back to the old diner and just yeah. ruining the experience. Yeah, it gets everything like Griswold just, Griswold's level of if things going awry. I love a movie where things go from bad to worse. And this yeah. is a movie where things go from worse to I wish I wasn't here. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could unexist right now. Hope you enjoy unemployment, dickweed. Get out of here, God boy. Master Man, what about the words to your song? Forgiveness. Forgiveness, asshole. Now! Oh. Oh. I hate this town. Call me. And, and to the movie's credit, it does that emotionally as well. Yeah. Like, so with Chris Brander's character, he does make things worse and he gets worse. And you see it physically all the way down to, like, having a retainer. And you're like, oh, my God, he's just like him when he's a kid. Because yeah. he has to. Because of the injury that he made worse, the the, the hockey thing. It's yeah. like, so he, now he, he has to do this. But later, what we get is Chris going to Amy Palomino towards the end of the film where he's, like, basically reads her to filth. Yeah, in a, in a completely unfair way, revealing in an entirely public setting to affect maximum humiliation on her, which reveals way more about him than it does yes. her. And it's like, oh, the guy we've been following, this has been underneath him the whole time. Yeah, and that is where I want to give that the writing even more credit because it's yeah. like it's not just making comedic situations get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. It's also having the guts to take it one step further with a character. They could have just had him do something that was shitty or it could have been yeah. enough for him to lose and go home and have that be the low point. But they made Chris Brander's low point getting drunk and being an asshole to everybody. Yeah, and being revealing a himself. Pig. Yes. They they really took it so far um that it feels it's so crazy to say this because a movie that is so out there feels yeah. so real. Yeah. 
that felt like a that felt like the fight where you said the thing that was inside you, but you never really wanted to say because you didn't you really didn't mean it like that, but you said it, and that's the part that's important. Yeah. And Jamie <clears throat> and the way Jamie goes toe to toe with Chris in this movie and doesn't ever become the girl who apologizes for something she didn't do like you know this movie this movie comes to the you know we have the fight in the maple and then chris leaves goes back to la has the hilarious home invasion (laughs) sequence with samantha james in his la mansion also great writing also also great samantha has turned forgiveness from a love song into a into a raging anthem of empowerment And then he realizes, like, God, I fucked up so hard. I need to get on a plane back to Jersey right now. Well, and two things about that scene that happened before we... Because he does realize that, but he also says it out loud to her. He explains to her, because she's coming on to him so strong. He explains, hey, like, you just got to put yourself out there and either it works or it doesn't. Yeah. And, And that's such an important thing to hear in a movie like this. But it's even more important to hear in 2005. And I think yes. that's yes, I think that's part is. of why this movie only made fifty million dollars. I think it's that moment right there where it's like, hey, guess what? This is the limit. Mm-hmm. And it's at a time when we weren't talking about limits. The other <laughs> thing about that scene, Samantha James, when she's like, I'm sorry, I'm not the most boring person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> she's just apologizing for being like all the things that she can't be, which is like, oh my God, I I live. Which is on paper the worst person possible. Right. She's just like, it's like, I'm sorry, I'm great. Yeah. I, yeah. I I'm sorry, you it. can't see that I'm everything. And and what's fantastic is the realization that that in their own way, like while she's not a Chris Brander, she also is because she's not listening to the other yeah. person and what the other person is telling them that they want. And Chris yeah. is unable to listen to the other person and what they want. And 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 that's this moment that I think is so good. And on top of it, the bisexual uh, also adding on when she's like, you can have other girls. I like girls. Darla. Darla. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's not forgotten about Darla. And the physical comedy of Anna Faris in this movie fucking lights out. The the toothpaste scene, the the getting tased in the mall by the brother scene, the getting dragged through the snow multiple times by Chris. She is, Anna Anna Faris leaves it all on the field every single time. What a wonder she is. That it just keeps getting better with her. And and that's why bringing up the scene is so important because like when he goes home to LA, I'm like, oh my God, is he going back? Like I know it's, I know that this is like a a rom-com and that this is a Christmas movie, but this movie sets it up in a way where it's like, how the fuck would he go back? And so (laughs) to have this moment of realization in such a big breakthrough way that even makes me go, oh, I mean, it, it, it forces the audience who, which has been, complicit in his behavior by laughing at it Mm -hmm. to look inward and be like oh hold up do i have work to do yeah (laughs) and while that may not have been a great thing in 2005 in 2021 looking back this is the movie that we need to force everybody to watch because it got it right first it did it got it right and then you have then you have the like he goes back to jersey he knocks on jamie's door she opens it and shuts it right in his fucking face because he As does not. She should. He does not deserve to be heard. 
in that Thank moment God. after what he did to her at the Maple. Yes. And she, and he is pleading with her on the other side of the door. She opens it again and she is just like grimacing at him like what, and asks him rightfully like, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. And he finally tells her and they finally communicate. And I feel like what, in the way that the third princess switch, oh uh, the ending Bring it. Bring it. drives a car off the fucking cliff and yes. betrays yeah. its female leads and everything that makes Fiona incredible, this movie does the exact opposite. We don't get some stupid fucking moment that makes Jamie apologize for herself and sets her transgressions against Chris as some kind of parallel to what yeah. he did to her because they are not equal. The ways if, that they in, mistreated each other or misheard each other or didn't pay attention are not equal. He was the asshole. He yes. was, he turned heel to her and she doesn't have to make some performance of like, you know, I'm sorry too. No, she doesn't have to be sorry in that moment. She isn't sorry in that moment. And Chris says what he needs to say. He takes responsibility. And then they have the most, like, it's the most adorable. It's a straight couple that I'm suddenly rooting for. And that's when you know you've really done it right. When I'm rooting for the straight couple. I agree. And I think, you know, it's important to look at those relationships and be like, yeah, I don't have to shut off the last 10 minutes of the movie. Like, you brought up that point about Princess Switch 3. By the way, guys, watch the first 130. Don't watch the 140. Just end it at an hour and a half and pretend like the end didn't happen because fuck yeah. straight people for ruining a queer franchise. <laughs> I some because those read like executive notes. I would say that this movie, it, okay, actually questioning: Are we in a golden age of of Christmas? Maybe mm. we're not because mm. while we may be financially, while yeah. it allows bigger swings to be made, like putting three Vanessa Hudgens in a movie and crediting in that way on a poster. Totally, a film like Just Friends actually had a message underneath at the end and it allowed it didn't have it didn't have the lines that it had to color within it got to have a message where mm-hmm. at the end of something like the princess switch we know people need to get married we know people need to have babies in the sequel we know <laughs> yeah. that you know yeah. everything it's like up oh, well your mom might be fucked up but guess what she's your mom in this movie it's like actually if somebody's fucked up don't accept them back unless they've grown yeah and i think that to me that kind of makes the odds a golden age of Christmas because we get a lot of that then and we don't get a lot of that now. And shouts out, it, it, like, it's back to that authenticity train for a moment. The the brothers relationship in this movie yeah. um, is so incredibly truthful to fucking nightmare brothers. And I, yeah. I, a thing I, a tiny, tiny thing I love about this movie is that his parents are divorced. Dad gets mentioned but these are these are two sons of a single mother and they are a close knit family you you feel the way that they're organized around their mom that two boys of a single mother would be and yes. i really love that like i i love the way that she's batty as shit but the way that julie haggerty is this lovably it's a weird batty. Mom yeah. just doing it on her own with these sons of wildly different ages. Huh? Tugs and kisses, dude. Mom writes that on my cards. That's because I love you both mm. so much. Thanks, Thanks mommy. mommy. And you, there, and the way that, the the fact that the family dynamic is as 
it, like I think we talked about this like they're beating the shit out of each other this whole movie yeah. it feels like there was an agreement between Ryan Reynolds and the young actor who plays his brother in this where they were like okay so just so we know we're we're not gonna hold back right like we're we're really like they yeah. talked about it with the first AD and each other and they're like we're gonna slap the shit out of each other in these scenes yeah this is a and real like fight it... with Pamela Voorhees Friday the 13th part one situation <laughs> where you're like oh wow that sand went right in her eye yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, she got hit with that ore. She got, like, he got, he got tripped and fell into that couch right there. Like, yeah. that it, and, and the, the mall, that we get a mall culture scene, that we oh get a mall, mall, mall people, mall culture. people, they just don't know. Mall people, they just don't know. I also want to add something special that I think wouldn't read to a, maybe a modern younger audience but mm-hmm. but when he tells Samantha James that they have to go to the mall because that's she needs to like meet her fans and be one of the people blah 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 yeah. that was a real thing like Britney Spears did a mall tour Mandy Moore did a mall tour and sync mm-hmm. mall tour yeah. people like it, pop acts that were on the rise actually went from shopping mall to shopping mall to play for teen crowds this was like a thing that specifically happened in the late 90s early 2000s so yeah hearing it referenced in this movie i'm like oh god yeah because that could never happen now because we don't have mall culture no and you know the golden the golden age of the mall tour uh tiffany the 80s uh when mall culture was booming it's truly a you know as they say in sort of memification you weren't there the kids the kids weren't there they won't ever know yeah, um, when I was in high school, we would I would get dropped off at the mall and we'd spend the day there. I didn't buy a yeah. thing. No. You just hang out at the mall. Except an orange Julius. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Auntie Anne's. Auntie Anne's. Or if you shoplifted, oops. Um, <laughs> not Listen, I've changed. Where were you? Wait, did you have a preferred shoplifting destination on the occasion you did that? Yeah, I did. I shoplifted a lot from Hot Topic. I was wondering if it was going to be, I was asking that specifically as a leading question in my own mind to yeah. get to Hot Topic. I didn't know that would be the answer, but that was my, my assumption. It was it was Hot Topic and Best Buy, to be honest, because, <laughs> I, because Best Buy was where you weren't supposed to be able to shoplift from, yeah. and I like to show off. You know what I mean? There like I'm, I'm like, oh, I can leave with electronics. And, <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck was I thinking? I the, w- the invincibility of teens. I'm so happy that I've changed. I'm grown. I'm a new man. I've grown. I'm a new man, but also, you know what? Fuck capitalism. But also, fuck capitalism. And multinational conglomerates. They didn't miss it. Let's be honest, guys. But uh, as a as a musical consideration, this movie, and we talked about this while we were watching it recently together, the 2000s really knew their way around an in a, a sad indie guitar oh, pop song. They knew. We get we get knew. Fountains of Wayne's Hackensack in this. We get, I, which I, I put we get on a Christmas weepies, mix. We get the weepies in your eyes, right? Yeah, I think like, so. I think we get that in the in like the bedrooms. Yes, the you said it out loud. Wonderful. Yes, bedroom scene where and this is again speaking to what this movie does really well. It never like Chris glorifies like the pickup artist thing. He glorifies the like ghost them and leave them wanting more thing. But we never actually we never watch it work for him where he really wants it to work for him. This yeah. movie does not show the payoff really ever of being a douche because Dusty Dinkelman never gets the payoff. No. We get the incredible moment where a where Jamie tells him in the bar, like, oh, Chris, you're really great, but I just don't see you that way. Yeah. And then he unveils himself as, like, the conniving asshole that he is. <laughs> okay, because I 
wrote you that song and everything, you know, and I worked really hard on it. And what kind of girl would you be if you didn't put out for the guy that wrote you that song? You know what I mean? And whether Chris is overplaying his, like, teen boy softness or he's overplaying his, like, oh, gotta go, call from the coast. Like, whether yeah. he's doing that, Jamie is not giving in to anybody's ploys of disingenuous in this, disingenuousness in this. And we're told she has terrible taste in men. And you're absolutely true that be a dick thing does work a lot. The number of my friend's girlfriend, my friend's boyfriends that I've had to watch them uh, compromise their We talk about it once an episode. I swear to God. Yeah, for, for a shitty guy. Like, yeah, un- you were right. Unfortunately, it does work. But not in this movie. Yeah. Not really. Not, the playbook not never Palomino. pays off. Not with Jamie Palomino. We have the movie insisting to us over and over. Well, other people insisting to us over and over again. The Jamie dates assholes. Jamie has bad taste. But what we, we actually, like, what Jamie keeps insisting to us is, like, stop fucking telling me who I am and see who I am. And I don't know. There's a shocking progressiveness about that in a yeah. 2005. She's never a doe-eyed girl in this. She is exactly who she is and she presents it. I love that about Jamie. I think, and this is just me, but I think this is the literally the only I love you in a Christmas movie that works. The only one. <laughs> and I and I'm going to say this is why because she has presented who she is the whole movie. Who he says I love you to is a person that he has shown it all to. She yes. has seen everything about him and set healthy boundaries and said this is what you need to be this tall to ride this ride. Yep. And and he shows up. And also, they have actual history they didn't meet 2 days ago like most yes. Christmas movies. He yes. can look at her and say I love you. Yeah. And I believed it. When in that moment, I actually yeah. felt like I felt it because I was like, wow, this movie actually managed to pull off that feeling of seeing that these people have enough history to see them see each other for exactly who they are. And and that she has she is never been like that she is authentically a woman and he doesn't that it, it at no point does it make Jamie be the projection of of his. That yes. it lets her be fully fleshed out is really enjoyable. And so when she, when that I love you comes at the end, you really feel like it is two people meeting each other on their own terms. And it feels hard won. And just the way Ryan Reynolds says that, like... Because I want to take you on a date. And I don't care if it's in the day or at night or whenever, as long as it's a real date. And I want to tell you how beautiful I think you are inside and out and I want to have babies with you and I want to marry you and I love you Jamie I always have like it is so it is so it's so perfect it is it is the moment at the door that the like holding the signs and love actually thinks it is and actually yes. is a rom- is a romantic moment, whereas the love actually thing is actually is is like a wait, you're being a bad friend right now. You're you're a terrible friend. This movie you're is actually about friend. about growth. And I think that um this is a good time to talk about tropes of 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 movies, of Christmas uh-huh. movies specifically, because this movie it both leans into and 
just completely disregards these the same tropes at the same time. Like, yeah. usually in a movie like this, somebody comes home for the holidays and they have to change. Like, it's the busy the busy businesswoman yep, comes home for yep. Christmas and realizes that she's been too caught up in finance and, like, actually has to move back home and be a part of the small <laughs> town, right? She's too and caught like, up in finance. Yeah. Th- she is too busy carving out her own identity and being autonomous. And what mm-hmm. she actually needs to be, it, she needs to learn a little something about being a part of this hometown. Now, Chris <laughs> Brander... <laughs> Does not need to learn that he doesn't need no. to be in L.A. No. Chris learns that he needs to he needs to do some personal growth. Yeah. Right? Now, also, in these movies, it's like, I want a husband by Christmas. Like, that's a whole thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm husband hunting. Like, or I wish from Santa that I'm going to get a partner. Right? Like, that's, yeah. that's the whole thing. No. He is like, I'm going to go fuck that girl from high yeah. school. Right? Yeah. And what he gets is actual growth that shows him what actual love is right and it's like yeah whoa that's different like people aren't husband hunting like this is a <laughs> this movie it's like all the opportunities for the tropes are there and yet at every turn it makes its own choices mm-hmm. and i like that she's not with another guy because oh, i feel like another trope of this movie is like you're right she's compromised or she is that small town girl oh my god and like, yeah she works at the maple and she didn't mean to but it's like just where she is now like she's like no, it's like, you know, I, I like I love when she's like, I mean, I don't work at the Maple. I mean, I work at the Maple, but I don't work at the Maple. Yes. She's like, I'm I'm living at home and I'm taking courses to become a teacher and this is how I'm paying my way. Like, he doesn't have to take her away from something else yep. to make her realize where her authentic self is. She just is. Yeah. She is and 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 has been. Yeah. Like the reveal is like, Jane's yeah. doing great. Yeah. And not only did she not peak in high school, she's doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And making, because this is, if this is 10 years later, these people are like 27, 28. Yeah. The idea of being 28 and being like, for millennials? Oh my fuck. God. Like the idea of like, you know what? I moved back home. I realized I wasn't happy in my job. I'm paying my way through like transitioning into another career. Deeply fucking normal. Like, Very. in a way that when we were younger, that did, that was kind of presented to us as, like, a failed adult having right. to hit the reset button. Oh, my God, you're and now totally we are right. Adults and this we've is seen super how, normal. <clears throat> this is super normal. And <laughs> we've seen how fucking cruel uh, the economy and financial situation is. Yeah. And the idea of people doing that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, like, the, the most normal. Like, he's the exception. She's not the exception. Yes. I... I love the reality of their relationship. And one thing that I skipped over that I do want to say is that sleepover scene is so fucking real. And like, Oh my God. I've never been in that situation. And I'm like, this has to be extremely authentic. I can accept no other answer. It is like how, as somebody who has been there, it's like, we are in a situation where we are, are, is this going to escalate to the next level? Or are we platonically laying in bed together? Yeah. And I think especially as a queer person where a lot of times uh, guys get stuck in bed together, right? Like, that's a thing that happens sometimes. It's like, <laughs> is this a thing? And so when mm-hmm. she gives all of the signals and invitations oh my God. and he uh, chickens out, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. It also reminded me of one thing that I think is also very specific. Not specific to the odds because it's all the time. But it was especially prevalent, which is like, now she's emotionally available and physically available. Yep. So. It, he, on one hand, maybe he's chickening out. On the other, he loses his drive. 
Yeah. He just doesn't go for it. And it's like, there's a part of me that's like, is it because she's available? Because it seems like that's like, that's also another like coveted value in pickup artistry, which is like, I'm going to go for this unattainable woman. You know what I mean? And it's like, I like Jamie is never unattainable. She's, she's a person in charge of her own body and emotional experiences. (laughs) And like the sleepover scene that adds to the authenticity of the sleepover scene. And she is so goddamn sexy in oh, his butt, standing in his bathroom door oh my God. way, in his button-down shirt, and the like. Oh, my feet are cold. Like, why do <laughs> men even wear button-down shirts? They should be for women with no pants. It's it's exactly like Jill Gutowitz, a very funny person and um, famously Twitter lesbian and author, uh, with a, a book out now called "Girls Can Kiss Now." Um, but she. Uh, it was like Cara Delevingne had worn a suit to uh, Meghan and Harry's royal wedding. And I remember Jill Gutterwood's tweeting, like, why do they call it menswear when it looks so much better on women? Yes! And it was, and like you said, men's button-down shirts should be for women not wearing pants. Yeah, period. that's it. That's it. Suits <laughs> should be for it. women who can own them like Blake Lively. Jesus like, Christ. <laughs> My God. Blake Lively wore suits and men should is, never be allowed to do it again. One of the best looks ever in any movie is Angelina Jolie after the like fucking fight scene and Mr. and Mrs. Smith standing in a oh kitchen frame doorway wearing a, but- a men's button down shirt looking at Brad Pitt making her eggs. Fuck. Woo! <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. And the idea of in that moment, like the 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 fact of having suddenly having everything you ever wanted in front of you and the reality of that being too much to bear that's very accurate like oh g- g- god like suddenly i have i have the my whole hypothesized life in my hands that's a that's a huge occasion to rise to and the idea of not being able to honestly feels very accurate what makes this Tyrion for me is the way that it Ozturion Christmas, I should say. What yeah, makes this Christmas. what makes this Ozmas for me is that it it balances the bitter with the sweet, mm-hmm. and to me yeah. that's what Christmas is. That's Christmas. Um, I talk about that's this all, all the time, especially you know I'm making a sad Christmas EP right now. I was gonna say that's Sam's that's I, Christmas Sam's version. That is Christmas Sam's version. Yeah, yeah. it is sad boy Christmas, and and, and like <laughs> yeah. I I. It reminds me of how in certain perfumes, like uh, I think it's actually specifically one of them is Britney Spears' perfume, uh, but there's a little bit of rot. And like that sweet decay Mm. is what combined with cutting all of this like candy sweet stuff actually is what makes it smell good and appealing. Uh, Just Friends isn't going to just present the candy coated world with minimal like obstacles. It is, there's the decay in it, right? And, and to me, that is what draws me to it. That's what makes this Otsmas because Christmas has that decay in it. Christmas, and I, you know me, I fucking love Christmas. You fucking love Christmas. Nobody, I, no, no, nobody loves Christmas more than you. I don't know. I've never met anybody that does. I no. love Christmas that much, but I love Christmas on Christmas's terms. Christmas's terms are- That's a you're great gonna, point. You're going to fucking cry. You're going to feel <laughs> great. You're going to be disappointed. Like, you're going to have all of these things happen to you because Christmas is about all of the feelings. It's not just about the feelings that we're limited to in a 2021 Christmas world. Yes. In this movie, we get it all, and we leave with a little bit of hope. The lesson of this movie is authenticity, 
where the lesson of modern Christmas movies is more about getting what you deserve, which is a man. Yeah, which is a man. (laughs) And if there's if there's one thing this movie doesn't if there's one thing this movie doesn't do well enough, it doesn't do well enough by Clark and Darla. I agree. Beloved Jersey stalwarts. It fucking Clark and Darla. Clark, best hype man, support best friend imaginable. We need more Darla. Are you kidding me? You're Chris Brander. You're Hollywood. You date models. He's Jersey. He skis in his jeans. One of the great lines of the 2000s. We know exactly Clark who and Darla, is. you deserve a spinoff. I, and it, or it, at and you bare minimum an apology. Chris Brander. There, Chris Brander, there was no scene. This is my, this is my one qualm with this movie, yeah. aside from the homophobia, racist stuff, you know. Right, yeah, thing. aside from but those like, very obvious Aside from those things. very, yeah. But, but the issue I have with the film is that uh, Chris never apologizes to Clark. No. Um, and Clark and Darla deserved an apology for being his backup friends. Like, yep. he, they were there for him in a very real way, and he was only, like, constantly using them to get to uh, Jamie. And, and I do like that we do get the acknowledgement of that when Clark takes him to the airport, and he's like, Just peachy, okay, yep, good, thanks, Clark, for everything. See you in another ten years. Guess not. I'm glad yes, we at least get a moment where Clark gets to call out that, yeah, he's been a shitty friend, for a decade. Because even if we don't get to see an apology, what we do get is the acknowledgement that the movie knows yeah. that they are MVPs yeah, and that they were done wrong. They were done dirty by Chris Brander. Yep. So I'm very happy knowing at least that piece. Yeah. For if we, you know, in lieu of the Clark and Darla that we deserved and, they, and that they deserved, that is that acknowledgement. And again, this, this movie being very... Um, aware of the right things to be aware of. Uh, that is another demonstration of it. Do we feel like we have sufficiently honored Just Friends, Sam? I, I actually don't think anybody could ever sufficiently honor it because right. this is one of those movies that is so forgotten and it's not fair. I will no. say, I, I mean, truly, it, it this doesn't come up in conversation the way love actually does. And no. <laughs> it's, it's a shame because this movie does things that that movie's not able to. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of movies aren't able to. Uh, Just Friends, to me, is the perfect way to kick off our Christmas season together, friend. Merry Otsmas, Sam. Merry Otsmas. Merry Otsmas. And if you guys are looking for some sad Christmas music mm-hmm. and you want to do something for a good cause, um, I'm raising money for AIDS Life Cycle. Yes. And if you make a donation to AIDS Life Cycle, you can get my sad Christmas EP. It's four tracks. Three of them are my saddest songs, but done sadder and a brand new sad track. So, Done, sadder, Taylor wanna, would be proud. You want to cry to Christmas? Then just make a donation to a very great <laughs> cause. Uh, AIDS Life Cycle supports the Los Angeles LGBT Center, which is desperately in need of these donations because they haven't been able to ride in two years. Mm-hmm. So that there's a huge need right now, and it's important to be able to give. So if you guys are looking for it, just head to my Twitter or my Instagram. It's going to be the link is going to be in the bio, uh, so you can easily click and do something great for Christmas and get a little sad <laughs> yeah so look look Wallow. for look for sam and look for that obviously at sam weinman at sam weinman on twitter to, and instagram to, to be a part of that um i am as ever at your crew and you can as ever uh say good things about us in reviews and rate us and do all that shit and share share the podcast because we love that do it. and then we've got we've got a month of otsmas coming your way 